welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host, and you guys, I'm so happy to like be here, <laughs> to be back at it. The last episode I left you guys with was about three months ago with Dr. Heather Rhodes, and we talked about how to support your postpartum body and hormones, and that episode was really rich and practical, and, and <laughs> we kind of laugh all the way through because I am seriously the dumbest person when it comes to just like hormones and honestly just like all things health in general. So Dr. Heather really just lays it out in layman's turn for us. So I'm happy to be like the clueless one over here for you guys and ask all of the questions. Just kidding though. She's really great. Um, And so go ahead and check out that episode if you haven't already. And she actually has an episode earlier on in the podcast where we talk about stress and low libido and how your hormones have so much to do with all kinds of things. And she's, she's just amazing. She's all over the podcast. But I was actually really glad when I left her with you guys because, or I left the podcast with that episode for you guys, um, because I didn't realize I was going to take a three month break. You guys, I was on episode uh, 95 and I'm like, I was like wanting to get to 100. That would have been 100 straight weeks of releasing a podcast episode for you guys without fail, just like grinding through. I love every minute of it. Um, and then I just really hit a wall. Uh, I was also postpartum with my little Lucy girl, who's now six months, and she's our fifth, if you don't know. Uh, and I didn't take a break after I had her. And you know what? I just kind of got to the point where I was like, it's like what, what is a hundred episodes? Because then it's 150 and then it's 200 and then it's, it, it doesn't matter. I know you guys aren't like on the edge of your seat <laughs> waiting for a podcast episode to drop. I mean, I love you guys and I'm sure that you are excited when one drops and I love this community so much, but I also know that it's okay for me to, to rest and my personality would be the personality to just like push through and just hit that hundred and then go for 10 more. And so I really just gave myself permission to say, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the freaking world will keep going um, if I don't produce a podcast episode and I don't show up on Instagram. So here I am though, because I still I still want to be here. <laughs> I still love my podcast and I love you guys. And so I was not planning to take a hiatus forever, but uh, three months really just felt good for my soul. So for those of you who have my type of personality where you are just going, going, going and going and you don't feel like you can just take a freaking break, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. Oh my goodness. It was so, so good. Um, okay. So let's go ahead and hop in to today's episode. And if you are new to me on this podcast, we really just talk about all kinds of stuff. And the basics are, is that we really talk about ways to become 1% better in any given area that we talk about on this show. In the main areas we we focus on our, our faith, finances, marriage, mindset, health, parenting. And we really believe that it is the small, seemingly insignificant choices or thoughts or conversations that we have day in and day out that really start to create momentum to change these big things that we may not want to continue, be it in our own family or in our own lives or our parenting or whatever it might be. So with that in mind and 95 episodes behind me now uh, where I talk about breaking the unwanted cycles in our family narrative, I wanted to kind of pause for a second, I guess, and create an episode about what happens when you've repeated a cycle that 
you wanted to break. So we talk a lot about a lot on here about breaking generational cycles and whether that be like huge strongholds or just like really kind of like dysfunctional little things. It doesn't really freaking matter. We talk about like breaking those chains. And so, but what happens? <laughs> what happens when we actually repeat a cycle that we really wish we would have just broken? So maybe that looks like, uh, you know, you came from a line of broken marriages and unhealthy relationships and you just got a divorce or maybe you're going through a separation, even though with every fiber in your being, you really wanted to break this cycle of divorce and whatever, and you wanted to have a really successful marriage. Hello, freaking everyone, right? Or maybe you know, your story includes generation of addiction and, you know, maybe you spent the first 20 years of your motherhood with a drink in your hand and, and you're kind of sitting here like crap, <laughs> you know, my grandfather did that or my grandmother and my dad or my mom and, and I, I promised myself I wouldn't do that for my kid yet here I am, you know, and my kid is kind of grown at 20, like now what? Or maybe... I don't know, like financial, right? We talk about finances a ton, maybe financial dysfunction. And maybe you, maybe you aren't from poverty, but maybe you just never really came from any kind of financial freedom or financial abundance. And you really wanted to break that chain and be the first person in your family to really understand money and to start to build wealth and pass down some kind of financial legacy to your kids. But here you are <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck, right? Or maybe you even grew up, and I'm just going to be extensive with these, um, examples, you guys, because I think it just, I'm just going to cover all of our bases here. Maybe you grew up being um, spanked and threatened and like gaslit all the time. Not necessarily uh, in an abusive way, if you can kind of say that, but, but I mean more of like maybe under a really strict authoritarian kind of my way or the highway, suck it up kind of parenting. Uh, and maybe you don't have a great relationship with your parents now because of that. But here you are, a parent yourself, and you're kind of feeling like you're defaulting to that parenting style because it's what you know and it's what's comfortable. It's not what you want. But when we are like exhausted, hello, um, when we are, you know, just at our wits end and we are just operating out of a place of uh, yuck. If you listen, Rachel Bailey is a, an amazing, amazing uh, expert guest that we had on the show with parenting. And she talks about a lot of times we parent out of this place of yuck. And she uses yuck because it's a term that adults, kids, you know, you could be zero or well, maybe not zero, two years old or 90. And you understand that you're just not in a good place. Anyways. Um, so we have a lot of conversations here about parenting, but the, but the point is, is that, you know, a lot of times we want to parent one way. And then all of a sudden we're like stressed out, sleep deprived, like sensory overload and we just start screaming like psychopaths, right? And then at the end of the day, then there's all this guilt that rushes in when they're like sweet, sweetly sleeping, you know, looking like perfect little angels in their beds. And you're like, man, like, dang it. I didn't want to do that, but here I am doing it anyways. So, you know, what if you wanted to change the way that you parented your kids but you're struggling and you're feeling guilty because you just didn't realize how ingrained that parenting style that you grew up with is in you. So now what? <laughs> now what? What does that look like, right? Let's have a conversation about that, you guys, tonight. Let's let's just chat. 
Because really, you know, have you jacked it all up? Have you messed your kids up? Is it too late? Are you too far gone? You know, like, whatever. What do we ask ourselves, right? Like, we just think that we've royally messed this whole thing up, probably day in and day out. So here's what I really want as we kind of go into this episode, Lord, eight minutes in. You know, you know me. I'm long-winded. I just want you to take a breath. (laughs) I want you to take a breath. And if you find yourself in any of these situations that I just talked about or Or honestly, maybe you're just kind of like terrified that you're on a slippery slope and maybe you kind of like see this uh, relationship or marriage ending in divorce or separation, or you see maybe yourself, you know, going towards a bankruptcy or grabbing another drink or whatever, whatever the heck it might be for you. I have no idea. I just, I want you to take a deep breath and I would ask that during this conversation, maybe you try not to be distracted. I know it's a lot to ask. (laughs) Maybe just grab like a cup of coffee or tea or mud water or whatever and just like sit somewhere. Sit on the couch, sit by a fireplace. Maybe you're sitting in your car and um, or on your bed or whatever. And I want you just to give yourself permission to just rest for a second. Just kind of be where you're at present tense, not in the future, worrying about what might happen, not in the past, worrying about the things you wish you would have done differently, but like, where are you right now? And I want you to just like, let your shoulders relax, let's exhale, and let's just have a conversation, mom to mom, about this, sister to sister, okay? Because over these last three months, I feel like I've really sat in this um, just place of rest and place of acceptance of like where we are in general. And so here's, here's one of the main things I feel like when I ask this question, what happens when you have repeated or are in the middle of repeating (laughs) a cycle that you wanted to break? The first thing I'm going to say is that you can't break every cycle. You guys, you can't break every cycle. Some of you guys only have, you know, one thing to focus on. Some of you guys have 15 things to focus on because you come from some serious dysfunction, (laughs) you know, and I only laugh because I know. And we, we always joke in our family that we've like figured our dysfunction out. Right. And so a lot of times, you know, you can't break everyone. You can't, you can't maybe, maybe you can't go for it. I'm just saying like, you know, you can't break the cycle of crazy divorce and poverty and addiction and, you know, go from abusive parenting to gentle parenting and, you know, all of these things, self-neglect to self-care, like whatever it might be, that's really freaking hard to do in one generation. And that's a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure to put on your shoulders to be the one to not only stop the momentum of all of that crap, because that is so deeply ingrained in you. Um, so not only to stop that momentum, but to also like reverse it and start it, start the momentum going in the opposite direction. That is a lot to put on your shoulders. And it's also honestly not, not meant to be, okay? We obviously want our kids to, we want, we want to do as much as we can in our lifetime to make our kids' lives better. I get that. I respect that. 
I'm right there with you. But at the same time, we are human. Not only are we human, but so are our kids. And they are strong. And they're always, 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 always going to have their own work to do, period. Uh, I I read from a book and I did a whole episode about the book, uh, It Didn't Start With You from Mark Wolin. And it's all about the epigenetics of trauma and how we are connected like chemically and genetically to our ancestors, to the third and fourth generation above us and ultimately below us. So there are so many, there's so many things, you guys, that is all like entangled within us and in trauma genes that are turned on and things that are turned off and things that we are uh, predisposed to and, you know, whatever it might be. Like there's a lot of junk, right? Like sin is in this world and it, it just is. And things are not how they're supposed to be. They're just not. It's hard and it's messy and it's beautiful and it's all these things, but it's, but it's also hard. <laughs> And that's okay. And so you cannot, unless you are freaking amazing, which go you if you are, but you cannot break every freaking cycle yourself. You can begin to fracture it, right? You could focus on stopping the momentum of something and maybe not taking on the full weight of stopping it and then turning it around and starting back the other way. Like, for example, let me give you two examples. Like, um, let's just say your parents, I talked about this earlier. Let's say your parents were, let's just say they were abusive and, you know, they, they spanked and they threatened and they just yelled and it was like very authoritarian, authoritarian, is that the right word? Um, you know, and it was just very like, there was no relationship and, you know, gentle parenting is the big thing that's out right now. There is no yelling. There's no timeout. There's no nothing, which actually I'm a huge fan of gentle parenting. It's freaking hard. It's way easier just to lose your mind on your kids. But the point is, <clears throat> you may want to be a gentle parenting person, parent, mother, but you find yourself like yelling at your kids like crazy. Um, you're not spanking. You have a relationship you are, um, you know, maybe you do, maybe you did spank your kids once or twice or whatever, when you've like really blown it out of proportion. We did an interview on here. It was called destructive anger. Um, and it was talking about a mom who used to be very overwhelmed to the point where she would spank her kids all the time. Um, and she really began to really dive down into her anger and what that was and what that felt like and looked like and where the trauma stemmed from that was kind of making her react that way. Ultimately she became an anger coach for moms, Um, in general, and she's got a great relationship with her kids now. But the point is, is that maybe, maybe you don't go from crazy abusive parents to like perfectly gentle parenting. Maybe you get halfway there. And maybe you're a freaking yeller <laughs> and you were like, okay, listen, I, I'm a yeller. I yell at my kids. I don't spank them. You know, I come back and I apologize after I've lose, lost my freaking mind on them because they won't listen until I yell, um, you know, and, and you with every fiber in your being may feel like you want to spank them or whatever, but you don't or whatever it is. Okay. I'm just using this as an example. Okay. So you've kind of come halfway there. Now here's the, here's the good thing about like generations, your kids may look at that and say, you know what? My mom was a freaking crazy yeller. 
I don't want to do that. I want to focus on gentle parenting. But you know what they're not saying? My mother was abusive. Do you want to know what they're not saying? My mother hit me all the time. Do you know what they're not saying? I don't have a relationship with my mother. That's not what they're saying. That's what you said. Right? In some sense, with your parents. So you may not have completely changed the you know narrative to where you are a perfect parent who gentle parents perfectly. <laughs> that was a tongue twister. But you've started that momentum change. You've started that change in trajectory just in general. So your kids doesn't don't know what it's like to have an abusive parent or to not have a relationship with their parent. They know what it's like for their parent to yell like crazy. And once they become a parent, they're going to understand, oh, this is why mom yelled because nobody freaking listens. <laughs> this is why. Okay. But this is my point. Maybe you don't make it all the way there, you know, but you can begin to kind of fracture it and you can start moving in the direction that you want to move in. And then you can still parent your kid as they become parents, if that is something they choose, to say, hey, (laughs) I know that I yelled like a crazy person. I am so sorry. Here was my goal. And here is something that might help you and da 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 to do better with your kids than I even did with you. And that is always the goal, is to just get better generation after generation after generation. So You cannot break every cycle, but you can begin to start to fracture things that are really unhealthy. Um, The other thing is that, you guys, some trauma takes generations to heal. Some trauma takes generations to heal. (laughs) Some things might take one generation and it's a quick fix. And it just takes a little bit of intentionality and you have a mentor and, you know, you're good to go. Some hurt in families is so deep that it's going to take generations. And to put the full weight of, again, stopping that momentum, changing the direction of that momentum, and then getting it going again on your shoulders for something that was very, very traumatic within your family, that's not very fair. And I know this podcast is all about like, breaking those chains and those strongholds and, and all these things and, and, you know, finding your grit and, and doing it while you're completely covered in grace and all of these like fun things that we say on here. And I believe that with all of my heart, there are cycles that I have changed. There's momentum that I have changed. There's also a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, which I talk about a lot on here, things that my mom stopped momentum for. And then I ultimately took it or my sister did, or my brother did. Right. And we took it in another direction. And so the truth is, is that we, we're all living here together. And so we're all trying to do the best that we can. But some trauma takes generations to heal. And here here's why. <clears throat> A couple things why things might take more than one generation to heal. Number one, families do not talk about it or they don't name it or they don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> like think about like I keep going back to this authoritarian like um you know my way or the highway kind of like <clears throat> parenting which is fine but there's a ton of research out now that there's you know there's some things that could have been wrong with with how people handed handled things in their children and whatever and maybe taking it to the more extreme side to where it really was abusive however if you don't uh, name it, or you don't see anything wrong with that, 
then you kind of just live generation after generation saying, well, this is just how it is. This is just how it is, Uh, which kind of makes healing impossible when you don't see another option or you don't see another way out. You don't see there being another choice. And then you kind of don't even have another choice because you're not giving yourself one. And so that could make the healing among generations harder and harder and harder, or for it just to take a couple generations before something actually changes. You have to be able to see that there is another option before you can even believe that you're capable of taking that option. For example, I used to work at an inner city school um, for five years, and I had a student, my favorite, listen, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was not a secret that this kid was my favorite kid. However, and me and his mom had a great relationship. I had this kid for five years. And I remember she called me before school one day and she just said, hey, Miss Sims, I just wanted to let you know that this, her, her son, it was, is really shaken up. Like he's really upset today. So just FYI, as he comes into school, you know, there was this gang member on our street and as this kid walked by him, he basically held up a gun uh, with his fingers, like pretend gun, um, to her kid's head and acted like he shot it and then said, you're next. Whoa, right? Um, and so she said, but, and, and this was very nonchalant, nonchalant, let me just say that as she's talking to me on the phone. I'm like, oh man, okay, thank you for letting me know. She's like, yeah, I know. He keeps asking me and telling me like we should move, but I keep telling him it doesn't matter where we move. Like this is how it is everywhere, you know? And I'm thinking, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that because that's not my reality, but for her, That was all that she's ever known. And I love this mother. I mean, she's amazing. She's an amazing, amazing mother. But her her viewpoint of like the different places, number one, that she has lived. And number two, she had the options of living in her, you know, mind or... um, I don't don't want to say that she didn't have a choice to not live there. But at the same time, right, we, we do the best that we can. It was just... There was just this, like, there is no other option for us. This is it. And so when that is going to take a couple generations for somebody in their family line to say, wait, (laughs) this is not how the rest of the world lives. There are people that don't walk down the street and get threatened like this. So how can I, how can I make that jump? And, you know, I'm not going to get into, because I could go, I could talk about this forever, you guys, but there's a lot of like ties to stay close to home. There's a lot of ties to not break generational stuff because then you leave people in their own mess. And a lot of times those people are your freaking family. Have you guys ever heard about the crab story where um, there's like a crab fisherman and he's taking, he's teaching this new guy how to catch crabs or whatever and he's throwing them in the bucket as he catches them and the guy's like uh aren't you gonna put a lid on that they're trying to escape and the crab fisherman is like oh don't worry about it when a crab tries to escape the bucket the rest of them will pull him down um and if he continues to try to escape they'll break his legs (laughs) so that he can't um so that he can't escape right and so that's what we do like as humans right like when we we get threatened when somebody else seems to be rising above where we um, are, 
where we are. And so that, that pull to stay close to our family, to stay in our comfort zone, um, you know, to whatever, that is a very hard pull. And so that uh, may take generations for someone to get a little further away, a little further away, a little further away until finally someone's like, okay, I can see there's something different here. Okay. So if it's taking you a couple generations to heal, that's okay. And the other thing is that there are so many different uh, predispositions, guys, to addiction, to, um, you know, just, I don't even know what, just literally so much. We talked on here, oh gosh, who was it with? <clears throat> I think Dr. Laura Foyan. When I asked kind of the age-old question of like, so why is it that when a parent, parents, you know, let's just say two children under the exact same roof and under the exact same parenting, and let's just say the dad was an alcoholic, why is it that one kid becomes an alcoholic and then one kid won't touch alcohol. What 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 is going on there? <laughs> they grew up like they're siblings under the same roof, parenting styles and everything. One won't even touch alcohol and the other one's a raging alcoholic. What is going on here? It's the predisposition number 1. Um there one of the kids could have the addiction gene turned on in them, so they are more vulnerable to addiction, right? Um and so if you are someone who has struggled with alcohol or, you know, any other kind of addiction, work, I mean, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, doesn't matter. And let's say a sibling of yours hasn't, there is not like, uh, this person's better than me or not better than me or whatever. This is, this is truly like you personally could have a gene turned on that people call the addiction gene that makes you kind of predisposed to being more vulnerable to addiction. And so when you fall to that, it kind of is what it is, right? It's, it's just a little harder for you. And depending on all other life circumstances, you may stumble into that. Now that's not predestination. That's not like you're, determined and bound to be an alcoholic or a or you know a drug addict or whatever you can escape that but we also have to understand that we're human we have vulnerabilities and if we fall to them or succumb to them in one area and maybe we're excelling in another area it kind of freaking is what it is right it, it just is what it is we are human. And one of, uh, I was doing a Bible study at some point and it was just talking about how, you know, this is so basic, but it's very profound that God is not surprised or shocked by our humanness. God is not surprised or is he shocked by our humanness and by our weakness and how weak we actually freaking are. <laughs> and part of that is kind of, um, I don't know, almost like a relief. Because that's where 
grace comes in. And that's also where like just being relatable comes in. If I can sit here and be absolutely perfect and have no vulnerabilities and no insecurities, people don't relate to that. It's said that people will admire your strengths, but they relate to your weaknesses. Because the truth is, underneath all of it, you guys, we're all just freaking, (laughs) we're all just freaking doing our best. And we all wish we were doing better, but we're doing the best that we can with the options that we have. And so healing yourself, which is what this whole podcast is about, you guys. This has nothing to do with teaching our kids to do better. This has everything to do with the fact that you are still breathing, you are still here, you are still kicking, and you still have time and breath left on this earth. And so this is our time to just sit, take a deep breath, figure out like, what is it? What is this one thing? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Is it your faith? Is it your parenting? Like, what is it? What is your one thing that you're like, you know what? If all else falls falls to crap and I can change this one thing about my life or my family or my legacy, this is what it's going to be, period. It is going to be generational wealth because I'm sick of freaking poverty. It is going to be a marriage that is healthy and beautiful and works and is hard, of course, um, because I'm done with broken relationships. Or it is going to be health and it is going to be nutrition and I'm going to get this down because I am sick and tired of all of my family being sick and tired, right? Can't get off the couch. I have no energy. I have no nothing. I'm, you know, people dying of young age, of heart, whatever it might be. I'm going to change this one thing because this one thing is is going to be the hill that I die on, right? And so if everything else, I'm not saying let everything else, you know, go to crap. I'm just making a point here is that if you're focusing on that one thing and everything else maybe isn't perfect, that's okay. Because guess what? Your children are always, always, always going to have their own work to do. So maybe you only break the cycle in one area, but you begin to um, fracture or you begin to break another area. Maybe you don't totally revamp it, but the beautiful thing about having children is that then they may, I'm, you know, maybe I'm on the generational wealth path. Hey, this is what I'm freaking working on. <laughs> and this and that and this and that. I'm, I'm trying to work on those too. But like my main thing is this. And then my kids say, you know what? Marriage, this, this is what I'm working on. Or addiction, this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm healing from. And we all have that, right? We all have that. So it is also very uh, therapeutic, I guess, to know that your children are always going to have their own work to do, even if you are the perfect parent. I joke, I was just joking with my mom. Um, my mom, when we were younger, um, she always had this rule that we were only allowed to have two cookies for dessert. And I can't even tell you how much time, how many times she said, two is a serving, two is a serving, two is a serving, two cookies is a serving. Okay. So you can't sit here and freaking eat five and you can't eat a sleeve of cookies. You know, two is a serving. Now, what was she trying to do with this while we were children? have some self-control, teaching us some self-control, trying to say, you know, probably in her head that 
Two cookies is a serving so that when we become adults, we understand what a serving is and that there is a limit to food. You don't just get to sit and eat, you know, whatever. That was all good intentioned. You guys, I have cookie trauma. (laughs) We joke about this all the time. I can't not eat a sleeve of cookies. And every time I'm like, two is a serving, two is a serving as I eat like two at a time. And I just crush an entire freaking sleeve of Oreos while we're watching like Yellowstone or The Rookie or something. And I always bring this up to my mom because I'm like, you know, you probably really thought like, oh, she's really going to like, it's going to stick that like two is a serving, self-control, you know, whatever. It didn't. I literally am like rebelling as 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 far and as fast as I can against that. <laughs> it's a dumb story. But the point is, is that you can do everything right in your parenting and your kids are going to take it, you know, one way or not or whatever. And they're going to rebel against your best intention. So, you know what? I can't help you people with all of that. Right. You people, as in my own children who decide to rebel against my amazing parenting. So with that being said, another question that I want you to kind of ask is this. Is it really too late? Have you have you royally screwed up your kids? And I'm thinking about maybe uh, you moms who have like 20 year olds, 25 year olds. You know, you're not in like the thick of parenting little ones where you have the most influence. And here's what I want to say. I would say no. You know, Um, I, I talk on here all the time. My mom's been on here multiple times and, you know, she didn't figure out her finances until I was a late teenager And, you know, I wasn't listening then. And so, you know, my early 20s after I was married is when she said, sit your butt down at this table. I did not teach you this when you were a teenager, nor did I teach you this when you were a child because I was figuring this out. But I figured it out. Sit your butt down. Let me teach it to you. Okay, I'm like 25, you guys. And so she could have been like, well, crap. I didn't teach, you know, I didn't do the give, save, spend jars when they were 10 years old and I didn't teach them how to invest and they don't know what this is and now they're 25 and married. Like, dang, I'm just, I screwed them up. No, she says, sit your freaking butt down. (laughs) Let me teach you how to do this because, you know, so your influence, you guys, goes way further than your eight, nine-year-olds. You still have influence over your kids just in general. Uh, Obviously, that depends on relationship, but... Um, you know, sometimes you still can just pull the mom card and say, sit down, shut up. Let me tell you something. Uh, and the other thing is that, you know, are you, are you already divorced? Are you already separated? Um, you know, did you struggle with addiction and you feel like it kind of ruined the early part of your motherhood? Because here's kind of, I, I know a woman actually who had, Uh, struggled with alcoholism for the first 20, 25 years of her kid's life and became sober around that time. And at that point, she could have just been like, screw it, (laughs) screwed that up. I mean, that sucks, right? Like that, there's no way around like wishing that could have been different. But um, is is it too late? Sorry, guys. Uh, Is it too late? It's not. She has been sober and day by day have been rebuilding that relationship. And, you know, there is just something special about kids and their parents because we are the most forgiving to our parents for the most part, especially when they are vulnerable, especially when they can come to us and say, listen, I messed up and I just, can I, can I come back into your life? Can I, you know, in a healthy way, obviously boundaries, but you know what I mean? And so if you have like just good intentions, even if you've royally screwed something up at the beginning, 
if you can tread lightly and come in with just a really humble heart, uh, and I might be being a little more optimistic than some, you know, scenarios out there might be, but it could not be too late is my point. Sometimes we think that once our kids are over 18, it's like, well, all my best parenting is done. Let me just tell you something. Um, I think the majority of my mother's mothering is happening after I turned 18, at least the part that I listened to. <laughs> because I feel like before 18, I really didn't care much. I mean, I heard what she was saying, but I don't know that I listened to what she was saying. And since I've turned 18, I think I've called her about 50 times a day. So the truth is, your kid's ears don't even turn on till they're 18. So, you know, if he's jacked it up between, you know, 1 and 18, they probably only listen to like, I don't know, a quarter of what you had to say anyway. So you're probably good. <laughs> you're probably good there. Okay, I'm just kidding. But maybe, maybe not. Um, okay, so it really might not be too late for you. Uh, you might have to try lightly. You might have to rebuild relationship. You might have to whatever. But there is a possibility that you have not ruined everything and you are not too late. You are not too far gone and that there is a road back. And the other thing is that, you know, maybe you wanted to break the cycle of divorce. Okay. Uh, in your family and let's say you're divorced and you have a baby or babies that are now going back and forth between mom and dad. And every day it is just a reminder of something you didn't want to have happen. And, you know, maybe it's a story that's happened again and again in your family and you feel like, son of a, I did not, obviously, who wants this, but I did not want to do that. (laughs) But here I am. And so you have, you know, two options here. Number one, you feel like you've continued the cycle that you wanted to break. But, but my question to you, specifically in this area, is but what, what, was, what were you trying to break? Was it specifically divorce or was it unhealthy relationships? Because I would challenge you to say, that divorce is, is always a mess, you know, divorce uh, or even just a separation, whatever, is always a mess, especially when there are kids involved. However, modeling to your children what a healthy relationship looks like is the goal, yes? So you may have gotten a divorce or a separation and that may be messy and, you know, I don't know everyone's story. But if you are in a new relationship or in a healthy relationship, be it with yourself or, you know, with someone else, is that not the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal of saying, you know what? I wanted to show my children what a healthy relationship looked like. And... I had to leave this, you know, toxic relationship, unhealthy relationship, whatever it might be, to be able to show her this. And my bad, I didn't get it right at 18. (laughs) That's a whole nother conversation for another day. But do you know what I mean? So I think that 
um, before we're so hard on ourselves, like what is the cycle we really wanted to break? Because it may not have been divorce. It may have been an unhealthy relationship and having your kids see that, right? So that is just something that I want to encourage you with because if you are if you are divorced and you have a split family and you know whatever blended family whatever that might look like and you are in a healthy, you know, mostly good relationship right now and that's what you're showing your babies. I mean, you can't tell me that's not a change in momentum. You can't tell me that that's not showing them what is okay. Would it be better for someone to stay in a relationship that is clearly unhealthy or toxic just for the sake of, I don't want to get a divorce because my whole family's been divorced and I want to break this cycle? What are you breaking? You just staying in a relationship that's toxic for the sake of, you know, the the quote unquote name of a marriage? I'm not saying to go running and divorce people. I'm just saying when you've when you've when you've walked away from unhealthy and toxic and you've chosen healthy in a relationship whatever that kind of left behind for you i think in my heart that is still breaking that cycle and it may not be of the quote unquote divorce but it's it's of that unhealthy relationship so i just want to give you guys encouragement if you find yourself there you are still Um, still making waves and you are changing momentum when you have chosen that. And so I guess the final question for this is what does pivoting or shifting momentum look like for you right now in the present? Not what you wish you would have done, not worrying about the future, but right now. What is something that you can truly, and and you can even stick to our topics, the faith, uh, finances, uh, marriage, mindset, health, parenting, like what is the thing in your life that you are wanting to pivot or shift and really focus on being intentional in this part of your motherhood? Because you guys, as a mother, we have the biggest, biggest platform. And so don't try to do it all. Don't try to be perfect. Okay? Y'all seen that movie Encanto. Encanto. I don't even know how to, how to say it. Okay? Um, <laughs> those songs are sending everyone into therapy, you guys. You do not have to hold the entire weight of your family issues on your shoulder. Look at your sweet family. Look at your babies. You know, look at your partner, whoever you are with, or if you're by yourself. What is the thing that's going to be a game changer for you? And focus on that. Try to do the best you can in other areas, but let the chips fall where they may. And remember that your kids are going to have their own work to do, period. You cannot perfectly parent them out of their own stuff they're going to have to work on. And the point of this, you guys, is really that we are just doing the best that we can with the choices that we have. And I genuinely believe that. And on the days where we are just too tired, And the intentionality that we really wish we had day in and day out just really fails us as a mother or a wife or a person in general. You know, it's okay. It's okay. We are not meant to bear the burden of perfection and fixing 
every single family issue and the sole, um, you know, responsibility of family redemption. We're not supposed to hold all of that on our shoulders. We want what's best for our babies, which makes us fight like hell for something, you know, different or for, or for better for them. But at the same time, we have to remember our humanness and we have to remember that God is not surprised by our humanness. Neither are your children, by the way, or your spouse or your own mother, right? Nobody is surprised by your humanness. So just let it be. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. So, all right, guys, I'm going to wrap up here. Thanks for just kind of like letting me spitball here (laughs) and talk about this. But this has really been on my heart, especially since this podcast is all about that generational change. Sometimes it's not as sexy and as, you know, all out there as it as it could be. And that's okay. That's okay. Do what you can with what you have, with the energy that you have and the circumstances that you are in. And that is going to be good enough. And if you are focusing on trying to get better, even a little bit, like we talk about, just that 1% better, you guys, it's going to move way, way, way more in the right direction than you even, even could realize. So I am so glad to be back here with you guys and I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely